The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Hello and welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is the weekly show and podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring people whose work, programmes and interviews we feature on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. The areas that we focus on, living, parenting, finance, fitness, health, food, fashion, travel, careers, motors and much more. And many of those we feature here are household names. Many others should be and will no doubt be as they go about inspiring people in their day-to-day lives. Today, we're talking to... At the moment, about one in four children are also classified as obese. That is really shocking. If we actually go back in our own history and actually think where we were in the 1950s, the 1920s, we need to understand what is it that's really changed. Professor Carl LaRue. He is from the Diabetes Complications Research Centre in UCD. Um, so it is a huge issue at the moment around obesity. A lot of people talking about it. We've all heard the stats by 2025. That is the huge increase in Irish people and children and all ages who are suffering from obesity. But what are we going to do about it? Are we doing anything? Are we going to change it? Well, Dr. Carl is in the know and I'm so relieved to finally be able to talk to somebody about this issue. You are very welcome. Thank you very much. So first of all, before we get into what you do and do so well in the day-to-day what are the stats what are the predictions and this very scary reality about obesity in Ireland today and where we're heading what we have at the moment is people actually becoming sick because they have obesity and what we want to try and find out is how can we actually stop them developing the disease but also how can we help those people that already have the disease so we need to split that conversation into how can we first help those people that are really suffering with this disease at the moment and right now there's about one in 20 people that actually have the disease and are other conditions that actually make them sick and if we can get them to lose 10 percent of their body weight now that's maybe a stone or even two stone we can actually make them healthier okay there's a whole bunch of other people out there that actually are normal weight and what we really want to focus on is how can we keep them to be normal weight so what we've done in the past is we've confused this idea that we actually need to use the same techniques that we use for prevention of obesity for the treatment of obesity so what we now find is that we have to treat them as different cohorts of people, different groups of people, so that we can get the best treatments to them. That stat that we had, uh, Dr. Carl, should I say Dr. Carl? Dr. Carl's fine, that's That's perfect. So when, what is that stat that we got? We did get a very scary statistic recently, but was it 2025 or 2030? What were the predictions for Irish and the number of Irish with obesity? So right now, one in four people in Ireland are actually classified as overweight or obese. Now, the projections, you know, is all about looking into the future. Now, my crystal ball today is a little bit hazy, but the people who actually do these predictions look at two things. They look at where did we start and where are we now, and they just draw a straight line and say, where will we end up? Now, of course, in Ireland, we have very good statistics today, but if we go back maybe a couple of years, a couple of decades, our statistics wasn't quite as good. And now our predictions isn't quite as perfect. So now you can actually see some people saying the sky is going to fall. You know, in 2050, everybody is going to be overweight or obese. That's just not 
possible. But there's a whole group of people out there that when they eat food, they actually feel full quite quickly. Or when they actually eat, they don't feel hungry for a time. Now, those people will never become obese. And what we are at the risk of doing is creating this hysteria that's going to say that everybody is going to become overweight. And of course, when it doesn't happen, then people say, well, actually, you've been telling us lies and we're not going to believe anything. So what we have to do is to be sort of humble and truthful and say, what are the real risks? And the real risks are those people that are becoming heavy and sick. So we need to work out how we can agree, how we're going to both identify them and how we're going to treat them. Then what we have to do is we have to try to do the best we can to stop people becoming overweight. Children. Okay, Irish children, we have, again, using those statistics, because we do need to know what's happening. What is the statistics there about where we are versus, let's say, where we were? Yeah. So at the moment, about one in four children are also classified as obese. Now that is one in four. That is really shocking, yeah. um, especially if we actually go back in our own history in Ireland and actually think, you know, where we were in the 1950s or where we were in the 1920s, etc. So we need to understand what is it that's really changed. And of course, the environment is very different today. But our bodies have not changed that much. So why is it that we are reacting to the environment in such a different way? So two most important things to understand is that we feel hungry and we feel satisfied after a meal because of the middle bit of the brain, the so-called subcortical areas of the brain. Now in children what happens is they feel hungry and when they are hungry they will go for food, whatever is going to make them feel satisfied. And it turns out that food that is high in fat and high in sugar is not only going to make their tummies full but is also going to make their brains light up. The parts of the brains that's that's what we call the reward areas. It's more reward to eat a chocolate than it is to eat a piece of broccoli. Now, children know this very well, and they will actually go for the thing that's most rewarding. Now, of course, if there's lots of rewarding things around the house or around the environment, they're just going to have more access to it. However, if we think of those children that are really sick because of their obesity. They are not the children that eat too many chocolates or go and eat or drink too many sodas. These children have a fundamental problem in the middle part of their brain. And if we don't change that, we will force them to go through a whole lifetime of being hungry. Now you go back and ask your grandparents, you know, what was it like to feel hungry when you went to bed? Because many of them actually did. You know, and we wouldn't wish that on any of our children. So we need to understand that just changing the environment is going to stop some of the children that are normal weight to become a little bit overweight. But those children that are really sick because of their weight, they will not be helped by us changing the environment. They need a different approach. And that's why we have to rethink obesity and actually again split this prevention issue from the treatment issue we need to do both and we need to do more of both but we have forgotten about the treatment of those people that really suffer with the disease okay so when we were children there was an awful lot of running around there was an awful lot of do the homework see you at tea time be safe love you bye and now there is a very it's play dates it's all arranged it's very sedentary 
a huge amount of screen time. So even coming from that with my mammy head on, you know, with my, with the mum brain, even in that very practical level, there's been huge changes and not necessarily in a good way for exercise and, and burning off excess calories. So it's a very good study called the early bird study that was done in Plymouth. And what they did is they actually took children from different environments. So some children that went to private school and some children that went to an inner city school that was very deprived. And what they did is they measured all the activities Activity that the children had and the children that went to the private schools you could actually see how they were driven to school they actually arrived at school and then they played sport they had all these sports laid on and they had to sort of do PE and they had to play sport afterwards and then they came home and they actually had to do their homework the children that went to the inner city schools where there weren't these um, opportunities they maybe had to walk to school and then at school there was nothing that was happening there was no space for them to run they were just sort of confined to the school and then they came home and they ran riot in the council estate they were just sort of running around the whole time when we measured the energy expenditure of these children they were exactly the same so what we are learning is that yes exercise is incredibly important to make us healthy exercise will actually make all of the organs in the body function better but exercise is not a way to actually change our body weight because the way our energy expenditure works is we spend most of our energy by just sitting and actually twitching and moving this is called non-exercise activity thermogenesis so this is the energy that we spend by just being around and you will see some people who are actually quite thin they have for constantly yes. twitching and yeah. moving and some people that are nervous overweight, energy we call it correct yeah. and some people who are overweight actually don't move Now, that is genetically determined. We don't change that. And if you actually take somebody that doesn't spend normal energy and you make them exercise, what they'll do when they come back is they will just rest and spend less energy to get the balance to where their body wants to be. I feel like I should. I want to keep moving now. I want to be one of those people who are continually moving. (laughs) But it's genetic. Yes. But exercise, we, we, we should encourage people to do more exercise for the health benefit. But what we, when we say to people, if you actually exercise, you will lose weight, what happens is they start the exercise, and then what happens is they don't change the number on the scale. And then they say, oh, no, this isn't working, and they stop. Yes. So we are overselling the ability for exercise to make people lose weight, okay. and we are underselling the health benefits of exercise. Okay. Um, now, what we understand, especially when it comes to children, making children run around and making them do sport is going to increase their health overall and we should do more of it but it will not change their body weight okay because mostly what happens and you know yourself if you go and you exercise what's the thing that happens when you come out you're well, hungry the endor- oh yeah i was about to say the endorphins kick in well, yeah right. you feel you feel yeah. good about but it, you're hungry but you come yeah. back and you feel more hungry so then you just eat more food you know if we look at the sports stars the people who go to the olympic games they eat a lot they eat eight thousand yes. calories a day wow but that's because they feel hungry after all that exercise. Yeah. So we need to understand the benefits of exercise, we need to do more of it, but we shouldn't use it for things that actually is not going to help the majority of people. Okay, okay, doctor. So, so going back then, what can help? What, and, and two things, a couple of, this is what happens, now I've got three questions. But one, you said that children often who are obese are hungry. Yes. I want to get to that. And two, what can we do yeah. to prevent obesity? So it's not exercise is not the key. Exercise is very helpful for he- yeah. health. So those two things. 
So I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to stop blaming people that are overweight. So we need to say it's not your fault. And if it's not your fault, then how do we as doctors and healthcare professionals and the broader sort of you know society, how do we help people that have this disease? So we need to recognize it as a disease of the appetite centers in the brain, the middle bit that we can't control with our thinking. And then we need to start thinking, how can we change this? So we can effectively change it by doing three things. The first most important thing is by putting the right type of food inside your stomach, you will actually generate a signal from the gut to the middle part of the brain that will allow you to feel more satisfied. And that's the problem, is it? That by eating the wrong foods, people who are overweight and obese are hungry. Correct. And um, you can actually speak to most people that are overweight. And what they will tell you is that actually they don't feel that hungry or that often. They can skip breakfast. They don't even mind about breakfast. But when they start eating at lunch or dinner time, they can't stop. So they have to eat a lot of food before they feel satisfied. So we know food that is high in protein and food that is high in what we call low glycemic index carbohydrates. And I'll explain that. So protein is sort of from meat, but also from vegetable protein. The type of carbohydrates that we refer to are things that come from vegetables, things that have a bright color, things that are red and yellow and orange and purple and green. So these vegetables, that have a bright color, they are carbohydrates, and in protein, that together allows the gut to send a strong signal to the brain. And that's why, you know, if we feel hungry, we need to eat those foods first and we need to eat more of them. Now, typically food that does not make us feel satisfied are foods that are rapidly absorbed by the gut. So if you eat food and it goes into the bloodstream very quickly, there's not enough of a signal. Now, those type of foods are typically things that are bread, potatoes, rice and pasta. So if we understand that people that are overweight need to eat more vegetables with a bright color and they eat need to eat more protein, then our research studies show not only can we make them lose weight, but we can maintain the weight loss for a long time. Not only that, that signal, that's really, really important, but also it is giving the energy because otherwise you have this huge sugar high and low. Correct. Correct. Now, what we need to also appreciate is that sugar is pleasant. It's palatable. You cannot make people eat, you know, cardboard for the rest of their lives. They have to eat food that they enjoy. So we need to find a balance of how we can actually give them a diet that is good, high in protein, low in glycemic index carbohydrates, but actually palatable enough for the rest of their lives. Because if we force them to have it for a short period of time, they may feel deprived and their reward centers will say, no, I can't do this for the rest of my life. And then when they start regaining weight, they gain all of the weight and more. More. So you again, when we ask and and people come to us in in a clinic and they say, you know, doctor, I've been so successful. Every time I go on a diet, I lose weight. But every time after my diet, I'm heavier than before I start. That's normal physiology. So we need to give people sustainable solutions that is actually they can do not only for the long term, but it's also pleasant because my job as a doctor is to improve the quality of life of my patients. 
Professor, you are here, okay, and we're talking about this and you're lecturing about this in UCD, okay, and obviously hearing that lovely Afrikaans accent, you've come a long way and you're over from South Africa and living here and you have an, you're married to an Irish lady and three kids, so you're a busy, busy person and you know what it's like trying to juggle family life and professional life um, in your world of academia, matching with family time. So the key is home, simple, wholesome tasty cooked meals. Why is this message not being passed around or is it? Is it going to be passed around now in schools? How are we as parents? It seems very obvious. The answer seems obvious as often things are. But how are we going to change this? I think we're going to change it by understanding obesity better as a disease because we have been focusing on the consequences of obesity. For example, the fact that people have a lot of fat under their skin. And so we say to people, you need to eat these food to change the fat under your skin. But that doesn't actually equate. When we especially speak to children, they don't understand why the fat under their skin is harmful to them on this specific time point. But if we say to children, you know, you have a problem by not feeling satisfied enough after a meal. So we have to give you food that allows you to feel satisfied. Now we are actually fundamentally addressing the problem that they are having, which is, you know, this middle part of the brain that is not making them feel satisfied enough. So we need to rethink obesity and understand because so many of us, and especially us as parents, think that if we have a child that is overweight or obese, that that's somehow a reflection on the child or a reflection on us of being bad parents. No, this is a disease and we need to treat it as a disease. But we need to understand that it's a disease that needs proper treatment and that it's not a lack of moral fiber. And if we even go back to Dante, you know, and Dante's Inferno and the seven sort of sins, the mortal sins, um, one of those is glad Gluttony, uh, yeah. And of course, we actually understand, you know, to sin is a willful act. And therefore, gluttony is thought to be a willful act. Mm. We want to change that narrative and say that people who eat too much food have a problem in the middle part of their brain. It's not their fault. But now we need to work out how can we change that? How can we make that better? And we as doctors and also other healthcare professionals are really good at working out how to treat diseases. It takes us a little bit of time Mm. and obesity is still a challenge. We don't have all the answers, but we're getting much, much better. So is it that simple thing of... Years ago, again, there were no processed foods. You know, when I was growing up, even everything was pretty much made at home. Very little processed foods. Some terrible ones as well, though. I remember, I'm just thinking of some of those desserts. Um, but yeah, but homemade foods, delicious, took more time. Simple ingredients. A lot of people, including my parents, my dad had a vegetable patch in the garden. Right. Things that have come back into trend now. But at the time, it was essential, maybe, for financial reasons and also healthy and cheap. So now... Processed food is there. People are thinking, great, it's here, it's happier, it's healthier, it speeds up, people are busy. Is that the one of the key mistakes that we're making? So when we think about processed foods, we also have to be a little bit more sophisticated and actually sort of from uh, splitting things up. So one thing about processed foods is when we combine these refined carbohydrates with fat, what we do is we increase the palatability. We increase how nice it is for the brain and the reward centers. So now what happens is not only do you eat a lot of it, you eat it very quickly. And therefore, your gut doesn't have enough time to send a signal 
to make you feel full. So what you refer to, you know, having a vegetable patch, you know, what we did um, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, is we actually ate food that made us feel satisfied. We actually had more protein. And also, if you combine protein with fat, you actually drive the signal of fullness. That's why we've changed our narrative around fat somehow. We're not as... Good fats. We, we, exactly. Mm. And we're talking about the Mediterranean diet that is actually very high in fats. Yes. But it's a type of fats that's combined with protein or the type of fats that's combined with low glycemic index carbohydrates that make us feel satisfied. When we combine breads with fats, for example, um, then we actually have a very palatable food, eat it very quickly, but it does not make us feel full. No. And that is where the change needs to happen. People are busy. People aren't going to start, you know, growing their own vegetables on mass and, you know, cooking things from scratch. But at least if we understand that we need to drive those two things and, you know, food labeling is much better now. Much so better. just turning the package around and seeing, you know, how much of this, you know, is protein, how much of this is fat, how much of this is carbohydrates from sugar helps us a lot. In, in changing. But having said all of that, still that is a good suggestion for keeping normal patients and normal weight people normal. However, if we are now thinking about treating those people that are very heavy and are sick because of their obesity, then we actually need to use these diet approaches, but we also need to combine it with some medication. We sometimes even have to combine it with rerouting the gut, making wow. an operation on the gut, because now it's all about how do we enhance the signal because people that are overweight or obese they don't have enough of a signal from the gut even when we give them the right food they don't have enough signal to make them feel satisfied so now what we need to do is we need to boost that signal now we can boost that with medication and we are having much better medication available now and the research studies are actually showing us three-year data not only on weight loss but also health gain do you know what we need to i know that there there are uh, there is another event coming up that you want to yeah. speak about um, in May 20th which is the Irish Society for Nutrition and Metabolism and they're doing the European Obesity Day on the 20th of May so we will be talking to them and you're keen to obviously highlight that for them and we will be getting there but I think that we need to look at if there are three steps just to make it simple yeah on what we can do today as parents and also for ourselves and we definitely have to have you back in because we are only touching the surface and we're nearly out of time we'll have a lot of your areas um, and I'm speaking at the moment if you're just joining us to Professor Carl LaRue of the Diabetes Complications Research Centre in UCD about obesity and what we can do so for parents and mm. for the rest the, the rest of us where we're not getting that signal where mm. we are moving into that territory where we're not getting that signal whether it's comfort eating or going straight to the quick satisfying foods mm. that are not helping us health-wise and also leading us to put on weight. What can, are the three steps that you would advise? The first step is that we need to understand that people that are very heavy have a disease that needs to be treated and we should not blame them. So if we start with that, then all of the rest becomes easy. The second step is how can we actually increase the signal from the gut to the brain and we can do that with good food that has a high protein content and have a low glycemic index carbohydrate content and then the third component is how do we maintain that benefit in the long term and we can maintain that by increasing our exercise but sometimes using medication or even using a surgical treatment so those three components don't blame people it's not their fault 
increase the signal with good food and then what do we need to do to maintain it in the long term now dr carl you are lecturing in ucd you are speaking with nutritionists you're speaking to experts in this area what are we doing in general what are you the experts and what is the government doing to reduce those statistics that are being predicted for 2025 2030 about the number of people it's one in four at the moment who have obesity what are we doing to turn this tide in a big picture scene the government and the Department of Health has done a great amount of work and thinking about this problem because actually just jumping in and doing what everybody else is doing isn't helping no. anybody. There's no country in the world that have the answer. So we need to stand back and reflect and the government and the Department of Health has done that. Now we need to move forward. What do we need to implement? And the HSE are now being tasked to actually drive this implementation. Of course, organizations such as the Irish Society for Nutrition and metabolism and others need to play a role so that we can actually help educate the lay public, educate healthcare professionals, but also implement the changes. Our challenge is going to be who do we need to treat first? Yes. Do we treat the people who Existing. are the heaviest mm. or do we actually treat the people who may be less heavy but may be sick or, because of their obesity? Or do we help those and inform those who've yet to become obese to exactly. prevent it happening? Exactly. So, so we have this debate at the moment and I don't think it is a, a true debate because people are saying if we do prevention, that means we won't do treatment or if we do treatment, we won't do together. prevention. We have to do it together. Of course, most of the emphasis so far has been around prevention. But what is happening is we are forgetting about all the people that already have the disease and that actually need treatment. So we need to do both. Now, the same strategies are not going to work for both. Yes. So we need to work out what we refer to as a personalized medicine approach. We need to get the right treatment to the right patient at the right time. And that needs thinking about implementation. Brilliant. Can we just adopt you <laughs> and get you to just go and speak on every single <laughs> forum, every primary school uh, at one stage as well, because I know we're, we're literally running out of time. So my very last question, and has this changed? Well, I was speaking to um, a doctor about this, one of the doctors involved with Operation Transformation um, and also one of the doctors who was in, uh, behind the scenes and one of the doctors who was involved with another current medical TV show. And she was telling me that doctors, when she was studying medicine, were not trained in nutrition. Yeah. Has that changed? Are doc doctors now being trained and it's part of their training yeah. nutrition? So UCD is actually driving a big program right now how to train not only doctors but other healthcare professionals. Because you are right, we need to be trained at undergraduate level. Yes. But we also then need to inform those people that have already gone through medical yes. school as postgraduate level. So we need to do more education but our problem has been that a lot of the messages that got out there are not science-based. And a lot of it is about emotion and just, you know, we just need to make people better citizens. And if they just listen to us, then somehow it's going to change it. What we as doctors now also have to do is to be humble and actually say we need to rethink obesity. We need to say it's not your fault. And actually we as doctors need to do more. We need to do better science and we need to implement the science rather Rather than just saying to patients, you need to be motivated, and if you don't succeed with my therapy, then it's clearly your fault. No, actually, we need to work together to actually get this done. Brilliant. And if people want to get to in touch with you, what is the best way? Is it Twitter? 
Um, yes. Um, uh, so metabolic uh, med. Metabolic med. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so at metabolic med, and also then um, obviously uh, through UCD as well in the Diabetes Complications Research Centre, and it is Professor Carl Larue. But Carl, how do you really pronounce? Let, let's just get this right. How your mum pronounces your name in Af- in South Africa? Carl. It's lovely, and I can't say it. <laughs> Go again. Carl. Carl. Not bad, <laughs> she says, running away really quickly. But yeah, so thank you so much for talking to this very, very serious issue. Very, very important. And I really love your key three points. We're going to have this feature up on rt.ie forward slash lifestyle, um, which is on .ie. And also as well, people can find it on the News Now app, the RT News Now app in the lifestyle section. And we'll be promoting it across social as well. And we'll include your handle, Metabolic Med. Dr. Carl, thank you so much for coming in. That's it from me, Tara Lockery Grant. Thank you for listening. And look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. That's it from me, Tara Lockery-Grant, and the Lifestyle Show for this week on RTE Radio 1 Extra. The show is produced by Ola McGowan, and you can listen back to our other Lifestyle Show podcasts on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at rtlifestyle at rte.ie. Plus, you can tweet me on at Tara LG. That's Tara with a G-H. Goodbye for now, and if there's anything that you'd like to hear featured on the show, you know where to find us. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. 